Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. Time Tristan. Time Tristan. <laughs> I'm, I'm Tristan, uh, sorry. I'm Tristan. I was, it was too close to the word past. Ah, uh, so you did. Time Tristan. I'm Greg. And time Greg. Time Greg. Um, we're going back to the 80s today, Tristan. Yeah. Which is nice. When was the last 80s flick we did? I feel like we've been punching out some 90s. Yeah, good question. I can't remember. Gremlins, Commando, Naked Gun. Is that still? Yeah, actually not that long ago. <laughs> but yeah, a few weeks. Yeah. We're doing a pretty big movie from the 80s. Yeah, I feel a bit of pressure here to be honest with you. Yeah. So we're doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off and I feel like we should caveat now that if you're a diehard Bueller fan... We're probably going to circle some territory you're already familiar with. Well, yeah, we'll surely cover some familiar territory, but we'll also get into what we think about it, which hopefully... You care about? Is, yeah, it's something. But yeah, I mean, that came out in 86. I was two years old. I was twice your age <laughs> in 86. For those listeners out there who were at the age, the appropriate age for when that movie came out, this would have been such a significant movie for you guys, which we still love this movie too, but it, we're just obviously... Wouldn't be as close, so we, we may miss some things, well, but we'll give it a we'll give it our darndest. I don't know that it's just age. I reckon there's plenty. Of, there's probably a ton of people younger than us that because this movie had a bit of a uh, a cultural renaissance, at least one. Yeah, yeah, I would say. And as we'll as we'll hopefully get into today, perhaps it's perhaps it holds up now, or is it best left in the past? Oh, All right, 86. Was it 86? Yeah, it came out in 86. Good year. Huge year. Huge. Real big ones. We've covered it before. Can you remember what we did for 86? No. Dance, magic, dance. <gasps> dance, magic, da- Yeah. Bowie in the labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. We like the labyrinth. We do like the labyrinth. We Should loved. we just talk about the labyrinth? <laughs> Should we just sing dance, magic, dance? Dance, magic, dance. Push that magic spell on me. That was a great. I still listen to it. I nearly put it on before, actually. Yeah, I don't know the words still. I just know the noises. It doesn't matter though. It's just a good song, and he knows that. Yeah, exactly. You just hear it. You absorb it. Yeah, it's the vibe. Top Gun, it's Marbo, Platoon, Crocodile Dundee. Top Gun number one, Crocodile Dundee number two, Platoon number three. Hey, Top Gun uh, released its new trailer. Yeah. I would say Tom Tom Cruise hasn't aged much, man. He is he is utilizing his fortune to keep himself youthful. Oh yeah, he has a stem cell shake. For he Bricky. is stem selling, just eating placentas. Yeah, of day and night. young immigrant orphans. Yeah, straight up. That's how you age, baby. That's some good quality yeah, aging get those right there. Placentas in. Yeah, it's a bit short though, isn't he? He well, yeah, you can't placenta yourself taller i think his body proportions are exposing his shortness as he gets older as in like his ears are getting bigger and shit no he just like looks like a square his torso looks like a square how tall is 
Um, yeah. I don't know. Did we dabble in this last week when we talked about Katie Holmes? He's 5'7". Five 5'7". Seven. Five seven. Five seven, is that that short, is it? Um, I think Ira's like 5'6". I think Carol's 5'6". Are they the same that's height? That's not that short, is it? I guess it is. Anywho, what else is in the top 10? Um, Karate Kid Part 2 is number 4. Back to School. Is that Dangerfield? Is that Rodney Dangerfield? It is Rodney Dangerfield. Aliens, Golden Child. Oh, uh, 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 I want the knife. <laughs> I, look, I like that movie. And at number 10, Ferris Bueller's Day. Oh, oh you got in there. Got in there, scraped in there. I think if this is global top 10, by the way, whatever we do the top 10, that's global. I'm sure if it were just in US, it's probably higher. Uh, but globally, it is in number 10. What, what was your um, original experience with this? Uh, but highly positive. It was definitely like a film I one of my main loved films as a kid. Really? Okay. Uh, um, how how did that come about though? I don't know. I Older think, brother or like? I couldn't tell you. It just yeah. I Dad? Said Jim probably would have put this in front of us. Who? So my parents. Uh, okay. This would, yeah. been, this would have been. I think this was a family favorite. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, I obviously wouldn't have understood too much other than that Ferris Bueller's very charismatic. Pretty yeah. sure I had a fucking pretty solid crush on Sloan. Sloan, yeah, fair enough. About four years old. I think she might have been one of, you know, the, my first girlfriends in my head. Yeah. Yeah, but then I've rewatched and not skipping to a rewatch now, but it did circle back in like the mid noughties or something, two thousand five or so from memory. Yeah, I think it's a pretty uh, it's a it was a big deal in the DVD scene, eh? Like yeah. it felt like So I had a weird thing because I didn't I don't. I didn't have like a real tight relationship with this movie. I always liked it and admired it. And I think it was. I don't think I ever fully sat down and watched it beginning to end. I would just, oh, it's on TV, and I'll just watch it. And yeah. And so I eventually saw it when you add up all those scenes together. But I never really just fully watched it properly. I remember Charlie Sheen's bit being like, yeah, I didn't remember. But that. this is all. I think this is all pretty late in life. Like I'm watch I'm talking about it at teenage years. This is probably when I first watched it. But you know what I realized when I was thinking back about it, I was like, wait, am I getting this mixed up with something else? Do you remember a TV show called Parker Lewis Can't Lose? Yeah, I remember the name. It's basically a ripoff of um Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'll play the Parker theme song Lewis. here, see if it remembers if it triggers me memories. So if anyone hasn't seen that show, you, you remember that show? I mean, not properly. I, so I feel I like I probably watched this more as a smaller child than I was aware of Ferris Bueller. And it's basically the same same concept. He, he talks to camera. He's the cool guy, not in like a jock way. He's just the cool guy that everyone just kind of likes. And um, I looked into it and it is straight up a ripoff of Ferris Bueller. And strangely enough, this was put on air on Fox to compete with the Ferris Bueller show that was coming out. Yeah. Which only lasts 13 episodes. This lasted three seasons. Yeah, the Ferris Bueller 
show was a stinker, wasn't it? Was it? I know, yeah, I never saw it. Did you ever watch it? I know, but I didn't even really realize it was a thing until I yeah. was searching for content on Ferris Bueller. Yeah. And th- and the that kept coming up because it had oh, like weird. a rating of like 12%. I'm like, nah, there's no way this movie's 12%. Yeah, and then the ripoff, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, lasted. I watched it. I loved it. I don't remember it. Yeah. That's strange. It is strange. But but to be fair, Ferris Bueller wasn't Ferris Bueller though, was he? Yeah, it was, he was getting the B team at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston was in it though. Oh, was she? Huh. She took a while to catch on, didn't she? Because she, she did um, she had a couple of the Leprechaun. And the Leprechaun. Was she in the Leprechaun? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did she play? The no, leprechaun? she played um, hot chick getting attacked by a Leprechaun. B. Pre nose job. Seven. No, she was the main. She was the main chick. Oh, yeah. The uh, it's a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, I wasn't that aware of who he was. But are you a John Hughes guy? Do you have like a bunch of these? Uh, look, I googled him recently. Yeah. In the context of this film. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So yeah. I. So yeah, he's, he's the, like he's Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pig, Sixteen Candles. I haven't seen most of those movies. Like, I think we were just a bit late for those. Yeah, we were just a bit late for those. But I've, 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 I've I've I feel I'm aware of them Club. and like certain clips and things. The aesthetic is like, I, I feel like I love them, but I don't, I'm not drawn urgently to watch them. But I, it's interesting that this is the one that broke through. And I was surprised to see that this was a John Hughes movie a little well, the, bit. Yeah, the others are a little bit more emo. Yeah, and yeah, and it doesn't have, a lot of them have the same actors too, and this doesn't have. Does it? Many others that are in? I don't think any of these guys are in other John Hughes no, movies. There's an actor in a bunch of them, that weird science guy. What's his name? He's got three names. Robert Downey Jr.? No, not him. Oh, that yeah, that guy, the other guy. Yeah. but He, ended up, he grew up to be looking like a tough guy, but he was a dweeb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird Fuck, science Michael, and... Hall, Michael C. Hall, Michael. Yes. Something like that. Yes. But I get that mixed up with the guy in Dexter, but I think his name is... Yeah. Anyway, that guy. Yeah, he um, he got all buff for Edward Scissorhands. Oh yeah, because he was the bully. Yeah, so he's That's the dweeb, right. but then he, he plays the bully. Yes, it's crazy Hollywood, you know, huh? You know, these actors can be different people. It's people. like they're changing their thing. Now you need to trust time. someone that can be two different people. Yeah, in the same lifetime. Yeah. What with the silicon chips and such. <laughs> Should I talk a little bit about? The background of this movie. Uh, yeah. So, John Hughes, as we said, he um, he wrote this screenplay in a week and uh, the next day went and pitched it to Paramount. My kind of screenplay. Yeah. Bish, bash, bosh, I'm done, baby. Bish, bash, bosh. And then shot the film oh, based yeah. off that first draft. Yeah. And it was two hours and 45 minutes long. Did he write it? He wrote it and directed it. He's yeah. A, he's also a my style. Or tour. Yeah, and um, really see things. But through. this is uh, this is an interesting approach, right? Instead of refining, refining the script and getting it shorter and shorter, he just shot the whole thing, and then edited it down. It's kind of cool. Like you, like me. Yeah, that's what we do with the podcast. We we record about sixteen hours, and whittle it down to the best seventy minutes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, and it kind of works because this is all set in one day, that you can't really fuck up continuity and things that badly with costumes and stuff even though ferris bueller does wear like six different things yeah but it's ferris bueller but it's ferris bueller so yeah because of the concept you can kind of get away with that which is pretty cool he um he had broderick in mind when he wrote it um but aforementioned other guy yeah oh who 
Michael. He's like, no, he wrote it for me. Okay, let's just make sure we have his name right. Michael Hall, something like that. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Uh, so close. Anthony at the front. Yeah, so Anthony Michael Hall was uh, one of the other names that got thrown around for this role. But do you, did you hear about the other ones, Gregory? No. So each of these you'll probably go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe not one of them. Actually, I'll go in the order of, I think, uh, good oh, yes. John Cusack. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in that era. Yeah. And an interesting one that is like a different kind of oh, yeah, Jim Carrey. Really? I didn't even know anyone knew who he was then, but that's kind of cool. He could be, you could picture him, you know, doing all the singing and dancing and stuff. And How, how old have, what was he doing at this stage? He would have been pretty young, right? It seems odd, doesn't it? Would he have been li- in Living Colour yet? When was he in Living Colour? Oh, he was a comedian though. He was, he was on like Johnny Carson and stuff, I think. He would have been pretty green at this stage, I would have thought. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of thing where they, they have names, but who knows how close any of them were. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that if you look at that list of names, They've let's all, say if Matthew Broderick wasn't in this movie, they right? they all got brown hair. <laughs> but they, but they, you could picture all of them pretty easily doing it. Mm. And it wouldn't be that much of a different movie. Some of them arguably could have even been better. But if Matthew Broderick didn't do this movie... And you look back, yeah. you'd go, he's an odd one to choose for this movie, wouldn't you? Isn't I? Yeah. When you started saying that, I was like, I think, I, yeah. Because if you take this out of his repertoire, what else has he done that's anything close to being the cool guy? Godzilla. <laughs> no. Well, closest, probably. What else has he Like, that was one done? of my, my, my things in the rewatch, but oh, fuck, I'll just say it now. Just basically, like, it... it in the rewatch, it took me a really long time to adjust to him being the cool guy. As you watch, yeah, I'm like, but he fuck, looks but quite it's, different. He's quite young. He looks different. And he looks cooler and everything. But he's just—I feel like his vibe for most of my life has been the—I don't know—dweeb, like dweeby or quiet or not Ferris Bueller. Did you know his involvement with the Lion King? Adult Simba. I didn't. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I—I I learned that pretty recently. Yeah, enough for it to refer to it as adult Simba. Yeah. <laughs> which is written here. Yeah, oh, really? you would have said, if you actually knew, you would have gone, he's a Simba, man. No, adult Simba, because Jonathan Taylor Thomas was young Simba. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> no, there's been a lot of Lion King chat recently, for obvious reasons, because everyone wants to know about the balls. And the lipstick. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Uh, yeah, he he gets the gig. Then uh, Mia Sarah, Maya Sarah. Um, I'm gonna go Mia. Ca- I think Mia, right? Casas Sloan. Apparently, Molly Ringwald wanted it, and um, because she's one of the staples of John Hughes' pictures, and um, he was like, "Nah, it's not big enough for you. You're too big." I think it's she just didn't want to. Sounds like. Yeah, he'd, he'd so overqualified. He <laughs> he'd met Mia Sarah. Is what happened. <laughs> Um, and then good old Alan Ruck cast as Cameron. He auditioned to be in Breakfast Club, the role of Judd. Ah. And actually, his, the role of Cameron was originally offered to Emilio Estevez from Breakfast Club, which wouldn't have worked because he would seem cooler than... Well, yeah, I mean, because he's the Muddy Duck man. 
Yeah. He's too cool. Emilio. Well, I can't picture him being like depressed and, oh, yeah, actually, I kind of could. He just wouldn't have the same, the power dynamic would be off. Yeah. Uh, not dweeby enough, but he turned it down. The crazy thing is Alan Good Ruck call. was 29 years old. Correct. How crazy is that? But he's like, eh, it's fine, because when I was 18, I looked 12. <laughs> I was bold when I was 29. <laughs> it would be in a struggle to play Cameron. Um, oh, is this the first movie we've ever done with a convicted pedo and a man that killed two people? Uh, what? I'll come back to that. Okay, so <laughs> what a little taster. Hey, you don't tune out of this podcast. You've got to listen to the rest of that. Jennifer Grey, what a legend. I really liked her in this. What did she you think? She was outstanding. She was outstanding, right? Yes, she is. John Hughes talks about uh, hiring her for the role here and why. Miss Gray seemed slightly surprised and amused that you had used the term charmingly obnoxious. Did she tell you about our first meeting? Tell me. She walked in, she insulted me, said something, and I insulted her back. I, I said I saw her in Red Dawn. I was really glad that she was the first one killed. And then she came back and said something else to me, and I said something to her. And I, I before we even, even read a scene, before she even read anything, I said, this is the girl, you know. So a weird dry wit there. From uh, old mate. Good sexual tension but between it, those yeah, two. Apparently they had good banter. Uh, the, the final point I'll make here is uh, Chicago. You might even say Chicago was the fourth main character in this film. Mm. I don't know. That's a cliche people do. With, do New they? York, with New York especially. You know, in Sex and the City, New York is really one of the main characters. Yeah. Can you never say anything like that again? In, in De Niro's uh, Taxi Driver. New York. <laughs> it's New York. Yes, yeah, it's one of those terrible cliches. But Mr. Hughes said uh, this was kind of his love letter to Chicago. I so did, lots of iconic Chicago I did like that line, there. a love letter to Chicago. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. You could say it's a main character. Your eyes were open when you said that. You could say it's a main character. <laughs> Guess who got some new podcast gear, guys? <laughs> we got an 808. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> okay, so that happened. The movie got made. Should we play the trailer and get into our initial thoughts? Okay. Ferris, you're sick. And don't go pushing it and making yourself worse. Uh, maybe you're right, Dad. And all right, pal. How'd you get to be so sweet? They bought it. Well, why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? I'm taking the day off. Now get dressed and come on over. Ferris, my father loves his car more than life itself. Man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. What are we going to do? The question isn't what are we going to do. The question is what aren't we going to do. He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool. And he never gets nailed. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. You realize if we played by the rules right now, we'd be in gym? <laughs> what is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Hi, I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. That's me. I 
can see him denying popular belief, setting off on some impossible mission. I did not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. You want to get married? Central Park in fall. You mean if I wasn't a fool? Sure. Today, when he looks back on the ruin his life's become, he is going to remember Edward Rooney. Hey, Dougie. It's dead, Cameron. You killed the car. My best friend has flipped out. I got you, Paris. I think this calls for something bold. I finally got you. Something wet. Oh, he's such a sweetie. They all adore it. Love you, pal. Something wild. <laughs> Take it easy. Initial thoughts, Greg. What did you think of the rewatch? Uh, it was delight. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a real treat. Like I was saying, I don't think I ever just sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end before. And it was great. I liked it. It was so lot. good. Found it quite calming. There's so much more to it than I realized. I just had to bucket it in as like, yeah. oh yeah, 80s teen movie, whatever. There's tons of lovely little scenes. Loving. Did you say loving? I said lovely. Oh. But there's some lovingness. Tons. Like the Cameron character. There's, there's some weird complexity going on there. Oh, yeah. He's great. All I always remember Ferris Bueller. You're my hero. Yeah. I just thought of that. But I forgot how much he's like a weird tortured soul. Yeah. Poor bastard. And then it's like these weird tender moments with him and Sloane too, which is yeah. a weird dynamic you don't really see often in like yeah. usually because women are written so badly. It's usually quite- it's like the girlfriend is... Only speaks to the boy. There's not much it's happening outside real. of that. It's quite yeah. real. And they have genuinely like, they have chat, like they're concerned about each other. And yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, like there's I, tons of good characters across the board. Yeah. From some of the more main characters like the principal to tiny characters like his secretary. They're all awesome. So that's a, that's apparently, this is something John Hughes says with all his movies, but I think it, particularly in this one, because this is a movie where it's set in just a day, right? Like, there's not much that happens in the story, I guess, is, is what he says. Like, the yeah. story, you can kind of get where the story's going. Maybe except for some of the details, you don't know the Ferrari's going to crash or whatever, but you get, like... What? <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. But you get it's like, Tristan. oh, he's having a good day and whatever. Yeah, it'll all work out just fine. But um, it's all about the characters, is how he talks about it. Yeah. Which I think is cool. Yeah, I'm for it. It seems to... It obviously struck a chord, but it seemed to... Like, that one day... And those characters seem to have really captured the essence of being a teen in 86. Not that it literally represented it. Like, that's not what an everyday looks like as a teen in 86. But there's a clip here I'll I'll play. play me the clip. It might do a better job of what you're trying to say. When they said the reason they liked it is because they could identify with the character. He did all the same things that they did every day. Do you think that's the core of the success of this film? Um... Well, it, I, I guess any successful film must reach a lot of people in some way, but I can't imagine that most people in high school did what uh, Ferris Bueller does. I mean, 
I don't think everybody cuts school every day and... Well, they said that they could identify with him. They all yeah. liked cutting school. They'd all done it at That's one point. True. And they'd all... That he really represented what they felt. Yeah, well, um, that's how I felt mostly in high school. I mean, I, I, I played a lot of hooky myself, I guess. I, I don't think anybody is really quite like Ferris Bueller. He's sort of a, yeah, he's what, what people wanted in a way. You know, he's, he's not quite a, he's, he's a little, um, I don't know how to, how to put my finger on him. I never can. He's kind of shifty. You think he's that and then he's that. He's hard to describe. I just think it's kind of cool that there's a, it's a movie that's so good that has captured the the identity of being a teen in that era. Like, do we have one? I don't think we have one for our generation. I don't know. I hadn't thought of him. His character is very specific to this generation. I just think this character is yeah, awesome in any fair. generation. That's fair. Like, he's just, he's the kind of, I actually, you know, I compared him to Axel Foley. Yeah. He's basically just like the kind of character that everyone wants to be yeah. or everyone wants to be around, like plays by their own rules. That's a good point. And you don't charms need, you his don't way need in a, and out of – and talks and charms his way out of in and any scenario. You don't need a new Jaxel, Axel Foley every generation. You no, just that's Axel just Foley. that person is yeah. the same. But that is the kind of – Well, that's even cooler then, isn't it? That's a good point. Like – Getting to how's it age, we'll get to that later. It's probably say he gets aged bloody well. <laughs> like it, it still translates, it That's still it. works. He's actually got the other similarity, maybe potentially with Axel Foley, like is he's got his sidekick. So, yeah, he's got Cam. He, um, Axel had Taggart and yeah, the other guy, true. And both of you know, both of them were like stuffy pessimists that along the way learnt to lighten up and become well, did happy. <laughs> On Perhaps. that, did you did you ever did it ever cross your mind? And that's not, I'm not saying I think this, but I could I it crossed my mind. Is Ferris Bueller an asshole? Like when he's trying to get Karen to take the Ferrari out, I was like, obviously he doesn't want to do that. Like, why are you making him do that? That felt very not cool, man. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I think because Cameron at the end is like. I think by the end I, I was like, better. okay, that came good. But and he, he makes, didn't know that. Your friend's upset and you want to take his dad's car out? Like, that's pretty funny. I know, fucked. but it worked out in the end though. But he didn't know. It, was, it didn't work out in the end based on his plan. <laughs> it worked out in the end in spite of his plan. He, he had a hunch. So I, I do think it's a bit of a dick. Dick move. But dicks also fuck assholes, Chuck. <laughs> Remember that line? That's a great line. Um, One of the best. So you need dicks sometimes, but... Otherwise, assholes will shit all over. They'll shit all over the place. They just want to shit all over everyone. Yeah. Bueller himself does talk about it a little bit here. See what he has to say. Could you be friends with Ferris Bueller, Matthew? Would you get along with him the way Cameron does by constantly being number two? Well, that's what you'd have to be with him, you know? Uh, I think I could be friends with him because he's pushy as he is. He does have a heart. I mean, I think he's terribly concerned throughout the day that, that Cameron does have a good time and that his girlfriend is happy. I mean, he's, he will run the day for you if you go out with him, but he will certainly try to plan it so that you have a nice time and that you're comfortable. I mean, he'd always stop the car and let you go to the bathroom and stuff like that. But, uh, but you'd certainly have to let him take control because he is that type. I'd be happy to hang out with Ferris Bueller. He's a facilitator. That's fine because you want to. So if someone that didn't want to, isn't that like a dick 
But he needed it. He did he need needed it. it. We all need it. But he didn't need to you have his gotta, dad's you car. Gotta, out. You got to be. Well, yeah. Do you know what that car's worth? Oh yeah, what? Like in actual dollars. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Repair. Not in. Um, <laughs> not in dollary dues. <laughs> no, I think they, I think that car goes for about twenty million US. Fuck. Eighteen million US. How much? I, do you know how much it was then? Well, 86, I think. So apparently the one they used in the movie is a replica. Right, they fair a enough. Of replicas. The re- but the replicas still cost 250 grand. Like it's not right. zero. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what it co- would have cost then. Maybe 10 million? Huh. Maybe less? Maybe less. But yeah. still, like it's, an out- it's a fortune. Yeah. So he's fucked, poor bastard. <laughs> poor Cameron. Can we talk about Cameron? Maybe sure. that's a good segue. I just he's kind of a character I didn't think that much about before the rewatch and I just was he kind of sucked me in as a really interesting, weird dude. Yeah. I think it's mostly in the performance. I, I don't know if it's all there in the script so much. Well, it's, it's there, but like He makes it. Yeah, he's really he's good. So good. That art scene, that really stood out. It's moving. It really is. And it's just in the middle of a bunch of shenanigans and you're like Yeah, they oh. so context. As part of their day out, I think, is it after the float scenes or after they sing and everything? I can't even remember now, yeah. Um, but they go to the Chicago Art Gallery or yeah. whatever the proper name is. And they there's just this beautiful, it is, it's beautiful. Yeah. Montage sort of scene of them looking at, at art pieces. It's got this great Smiths, is it Smiths? Oh, I can't remember. I've got a clip I'll play yeah, in a sec. It's lovely. Playing that, and then, the, but the one scene is that George Sarah Sunday afternoon painting, or whatever it is, it's like a very famous early impressionist. Mm. Impressionist, close to, yeah, mm. crap. I don't, I don't know. know, but yeah, he has that really iconic scene. It's no dialogue; it's just him staring at the painting, and it sort of cuts from him back to the painting and gets closer. And I kept and thinking about like, what's he thinking? What's he doing? And then I found this clip, and it's from the director's commentary where John Hughes talks about it. Yeah, it's kind of cool and. Also, it just hits you right in the feels. That gives me goosebumps, but I'll play it now. Hit it. This, uh, this is a very, very self-indulgent scene of mine. This was a, this is Chicago Art Institute, which when I was in high school was, was, a, was a place of refuge for me. I, I went there quite a bit. I loved it. I knew all the paintings. I knew the building. And this was a chance for me to go back into this building show the paintings that were my favorite. Kandinsky, that's Picasso, which is one of my favorites, Giacometti on the right. The old guitarist, Balthus on the left. This, is, this I thought was very relevant to, uh, to Cameron, you know, the tenderness of a mother and a child, which he didn't have. And Matisse. The uh, museum hadn't been shot in until we uh, approached them. This is a nice little moment here. These were all little improv things that we did at the, on the spot. These three Picassos were always my favorite, to put each of them in front of them. And then this, this, this picture, which I always thought this painting was sort of like making a movie, you know, the pointless style, which are very, very close to it. You don't have any idea what you've made until you step back from it. Um, I used it in this context to see, he's looking at that little girl, which again is, you know, a mother and a child. The closer he looks at the child, the less he sees, of course, with this style of painting, or any style of painting, really. But the more he looks at it, 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 there's nothing there. 
I think he's, he, he fears that, that the more you look at him, the less you see there isn't anything there. That's him. Man, Ooh. like Cameron's eyes in that scene. Oh, gives me chills. Poor bastard. Just not having a good time. So, yeah, it's interesting. Apparently, he based the Cameron character on someone he went to high school with. It says he was just sort of a lost person. His family neglected him. So he took that license to pamper himself. When he was legitimately sick, he actually felt good because it was difficult and tiring to invent diseases. But when he actually had something, he was relaxed. Just like kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. The other the other part of that is Hughes kind of wrote it to represent himself. So he didn't see himself as Bjorn. He saw, him, saw himself as him. Yeah. Which is uh, probably not unexpected. <laughs> I got one for you quickly. The Rottweiler scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's the inspiration for the Givenchy motif. Is it actually or you just see that right now? I'm just looking at it right now and I made that up. <laughs> well, speaking of principal, the pedo. Are you aware of this? He's a pedo? Yeah, well, uh, the, okay. The we, Beetlejuice was, guy. Oh, he's Beetlejuice too. Is he? The, the principal. All right, so I'll go through it so I don't get yeah, man, done for defamation. Let me explain it properly. He was um, in 2002 arrested for possession of child pornography and accused by a 17-year-old boy of solicitation to pose for nude photographs when that kid was 14. Um, he pleaded no contest. So he did those things. He got five years probation and had to register as a sex offender. He got busted a couple more times for not updating his sex offender status and all that kind of shit. But um, not a good guy, as it turns out. Not a good guy. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Not a good guy. But do you remember the other one I said before? Have you, have you heard about Broderick's situation? No. So after this film... Matthew Broderick started dating Jennifer Grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secretly. You know how that came out, that they were dating? They got engaged, didn't they? Maybe. But you know how it came out? In 87. Um, Car crash? Yeah, while renting a, while, while driving a rented BMW in uh, Northern Ireland, Broderick crossed into the wrong lane and collided head-on with a Volvo driven by um, a young woman and her mother, and they both died instantly. It's pretty fucked. Jennifer Grey was in the car too, and he just like, I think there were some broken bones and shit, but pretty fucked, man. Yeah, they were engaged. Obviously, he's not bit, it was obviously an accident. So, mm, yeah, well, they broke up. Yeah, you can imagine. And, but also, the family, how the fuck do you deal with that? But like, in poor taste, fucking, um, <laughs> in 2012, it was in a fucking um, Honda commercial in the Super Bowl. Like, don't put that guy in a car ad, you idiots. That's stupid. What was the car at? Just <laughs> well, any. It was, I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> no, terrible. no car brand wants to allude in any way yeah, to a I car guess, crash. I guess just pick someone else. Just pick it's someone not, else. It's yeah. not like Broderick. Is. That's what I mean. It's like it's, it's not it's like not like he's a racing. Car I got to get Broderick. <laughs> like this is make or break. You don't need him. That's horrible. Don't need him. Don't want him. Shoo. But Jennifer Grey. Oh, I, I did have a point here I'm pretty proud of. I want to call out Jennifer Grey. More like Jennifer Great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't you? You made a point of saying, check this out, yeah. and then showed me something pretty average. Oh, I disagree. 
She was great in this. Am I wrong? She's terrific. Because you should hate her. She's not. She's a, a real asshole for most of the movie. I did hate her when I was young. Yeah, I think it's that part with Charlie Sheen in the end where you get you come round. She's so. That's the part where I was like, she's fucking great. And but she also. But she's walking away. She and also she's like, hooks up. She's like, <laughs> yeah. But she also hooks up Ferris in the end. She saves him. Yeah, she saves him too. And so you're like, ah, she's a what a legend. Shana. Shana. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Shana. 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 The other point on. This all taking place in one day. It is a good way to do a character-based story, right? Show what a person's like in the average. Yeah. And I was talking about this with someone recently. About how biopics should do that more. Like Rather than try and tell the whole story, they should just spend a couple of days. They did that with My Week with Marilyn. They did it with um, the Steve Jobs one where it was three product launches. But they should do it where it's just a day... It doesn't have to be literally a day, but a small period in their life that just speaks volumes about it. Because it's the small things you do that then says a lot about you as a character. What would they say about you right now? <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty boring movie. Bought a barbecue, though. That's pretty Fucking cool. Fucking sweet little barbecue. Yeah. But. Oh, did you know that in the parade scene, there was some bits in there that weren't acting? So they basically. Oh, they hijacked a real parade. They hijacked a real parade. And then some of the crowd that they filmed, including the workers, which are pretty famous, like the workers on the yeah. buildings and stuff, dancing to the That parade. was real. That was I like, wondered about that. Yeah. Some of them looked awkward enough for that to be real. Yeah, they were. Others looked, some people were actually dancing in some organized way. Yeah, I think, way. I think that was all. They probably were not. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Shauna. So there's that. Oh, no. Or what about legacy and holding up this? I think this may, I forgot to fucking confirm, but I think this may have been one of the first post-credits scenes. Oh, yeah? i tell you what uh, was enjoyable. You know, Bueller, Bueller. Yeah. Was he not a teacher in the Wonder Years as well? I think he was. He's been teaching before. Yeah, sure. right? He's definitely always that he hasn't guy. He has too many two And he's also in the mask. That's true, Wendy. We all wear masks, metaphorically speaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't do his voice. So he's good. You know what he's talking about, which was interesting. So he's talking about an economic policy um, that was brought in by Rumsfeld and and Cheney and so on. So he's talking about this thing called the Laffer curve. He's like the Laffer curve. Anyone? And you know he keeps going. So the Laffer curve was this thing where an economist called someone Laffer in the 60s or 70s in the US. Yeah. And he had this curve that basically was like, oh, there's a sweet spot between how much people make and how much tax they pay and like zero and then you join it there. Anyway, it's re- it's interesting now because in Australia we're having these tax cuts being rolled out by the current government and essentially what the current government is doing is the type of policies oh. that – He's talking about in this movie. Ah. Yeah, it's a really well. That holds up, does it not? Yeah, well, it's a really dated, shitty view. It's it's trickle down economics. So the movie holds up, but the how policies. Yeah, <laughs> it basically means you tax rich people less, and it means they'll have more money to spend, um, which will flow down. Do you think some of the policymakers were watching this movie and like, hey, that's they not may bad. as well have been. Yeah, yeah, it's not the best. It basically means that if you cut all these taxes, there's 
the government has heaps less money. Yeah. And then they end up cutting shit like fucking education and health. Yeah. Yeah. But the Americans do. have done it for a long time and that's Yeah, we need to, we need to go more than the, the Swedish way, don't we? Yeah. 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 Anyway, so that was interesting. That is interesting. And the other teacher, did you know, as a um a student of the arts of improv. Do you know much about that guy? Who was it? Uh, I can't even remember another teacher. The uh Sloan's teacher. No. Uh, his name is Del Del Close. Del Close is a uh, uh, one of the pioneers of modern improv, apparently. Yeah, because they have the Del Close Marathon. Yeah, he's a big deal. So the Del Close Marathon, I think, is twenty four hours of improv. The guys that started your upright were students of his. Yeah. Um, so like Amy Poehler and Co. Yeah. Um, but also like Dan Aykroyd, the Belushi's, uh, John Candy. It seems to go cross discipline across all of the because like Second City and John Favreau, Favreau, Yeah, this guy's like a bit of a he's like the Godfather. That's interesting. I yeah, didn't I didn't even notice role. him. Like I didn't, you noticed I had the, no idea the roll call guy because he's got that iconic voice and he's like Bueller. Bueller like interesting. Well, that's so cool. Yeah, that's one of those other guys, man. If you're in it, you know, but if you're not in it, there's no one, no one's heard of you. That's right. These are the kind of guys, every few episodes, guys like this emerge and you're like, Who is this guy? I want more. Vince Vaughn. Everyone. Harold, all the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, well, I was going somewhere with the uh, post credit scene thing. Oh, so. Uh, there's a f- relatively recent post credit scene that pays a homage. To this. Do you remember this one? An homage. Homage. It's basically the same scene. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Oh, you're expecting a teaser for Deadpool 2. Well, we don't have that kind of money. So obviously that was Deadpool. Um, another fourth world breaking character there. I wonder if that was the link that they were shooting for. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But I, I tell you what, I'm getting fucking sick of Ryan Reynolds' voice. And it's a shame because he is a good Deadpool. It's the right one. But I'm just getting sick of it. He shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have played Pikachu, for fuck's sake. I still haven't, I haven't seen Pikachu. I haven't seen that, but it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah the, his parents in this apparently hooked up. They got married. What, in real life? Yeah. No way. They barely had a scene together. Good for them. Yeah, maybe they had a behind the scene together. Yeah. What about all his tech get up in his room? Yeah. Apparently quite, that keyboard costs like eight grand. Like That's like a legit synth that you would... Yeah, it was a synth. <laughs> yeah. It was a proper synth. What's the verdict, Greg? Uh, this is a classic. Yeah, I would have uh, to agree. So it's uh, it's just a lovely, simple... Simple story about a guy and his day off. Yeah. And his hot, hot girlfriend. <laughs> and his sad, sad friend. And his sad mate. I mean, speaking of it, that's my MVP is Alan Ruck as Cameron. He's really, he really got to be. He really... Uh, yeah, he struck a chord. Yeah. my Mine was Abe Froman. You don't usually see that in a movie. Wait, who's that? The Sausage King <laughs> of Detroit. So I'm from Chicago. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I, I think know. this is a certified rewatch, right? It is. Oh man! Yeah. It is 
You will. It really is, and, and on multiple levels. Because sometimes we'll go rewatch within a certain category, like rewatch for nostalgia. No, and this is rewatch it. for if you want to see what the eighties is like. If you yeah, want to, it's a good. But it's still capsule. something you can relate to now as a human. Yeah, it's a time capsule that still has a nice story that you don't feel as dated. Fucking so Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen apparently stayed awake for a couple of days, air quotes, <laughs> because of this role. He's so method. Yeah, it's like he was. Sorry, we just, just randomly started to talk about Charlie Sheen because he popped up on screen. I love Charlie Sheen. He's so method, yeah. I went off the rails for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> for a role. <laughs> for a role. Mighty Ducks 4. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's a wrap. That was that was a great movie. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Watch it. Watch it. Good it's movie. so easy. How little, what's the running time? Can we give them the running I time? I don't know. It felt easy to watch. It felt real easy. I reckon it's got to be 140 something tops. Max. What else are we doing next? Uh, we've got some uh, Back to the Future coming up there. I think we've got some more Eddie Murphy coming soon. Ooh. We might do our first Stallone soon, perhaps. Anyway, you'll have to listen to find out. Yes, thank you for listening. Be Leave sure a review to, if yeah, you like us. Check out our socials. Check out our social socials media. starting to hum. Tristan's yeah, really... Yeah, it's getting a bit of a hum there. Anyway, we love you guys. Uh, see you soon. Bye.